The world needs heroes to protect us from bad takes. There once was a man named Paul who said that Star Trek was better than Star Wars, and we can't stand for this type of injustice. Join the fight against bad takes and support the show over at MultiplayerSquad.com. But Josh, I'm scared of Patreon, but still want to help. What can I do? Well, future hero, you can now subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and get amazing rewards like two bonus episodes each week, early access, and ad-free episodes. Paul said it's more so that you don't have to listen to my terrible intros anymore, but we all know how bad his takes are. Now, on to the show. Hello to everyone out there listening. Thank you for joining us here today for the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. Every other Monday, we have a deep dive episode like what we are doing here today. And for the next hour or so, we are going to be talking about Tribes of Midgard. Please rate us five stars or leave a review in your podcasting app. And please support the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or visiting MultiplayerSquad.com to see our Patreon page. If you subscribe, you'll get access to two bonus shows every week, and you'll also earn our eternal gratitude. Well, we can't jump into Tribes of Midgard without introductions, so I'll let you guys know who I am. I am your host, Paul, and then we have my co-host. He's tired after a long night of protecting the seed of Yggdrasil Eeg- Eeg- no. <laughs> against hell things, and he's got a pocket full of souls that he can't wait to spend. It's Josh. They're just burning a hole, Paul. (laughs) And I'm going to spend it on Mm -hmm. the blacksmith, because who cares about anything else except for having cool weapons? (laughs) Oh, oh goodness. By the way, you like how I totally nailed the name Yggdrasil on the first try? I couldn't believe that you were going... (laughs) I I had a really hard time saying that. It took me a while. And the fact that you jumped Uh in, like, just, you know, face first, man. You did did, did pretty good, though. I won't say you nailed it, but... Yeah, I, I had the name written down. I went in with full confidence, and then you see the Y-G-G-D-R, and it's like, yeah, I don't know how to no, say this. No, yeah, your tongue just gets <laughs> locked up, and it's like, Ehh. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone ever accused Norse words of being terribly easy to read. So, Ig- Yggdrasil. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of consonants. I, I just nailed that. Yggdrasil. <laughs> see, oh, I say boy. it like we're, we're good friends. Like, hey, me and Yggdrasil are going to hang out together. Yeah. Big Y yeah. is what I call him Big for y. short. <laughs> Yeah, it's like because he's a tree, and he's <laughs> yeah, and it starts with a Y. All right, and then Josh, before we jump into tribes, I think you have a review to read on the show. I do. We like to read reviews, and I have always made it a point that you and I read every review that comes through. Um, we can't always read every review on the air, um, but I. <laughs> was reading this review the other day and then i felt so guilty paul so i'm gonna read it today because okay this guy this guy is active on our discord server he loves playing games with people he famously is on a different time zone than us so we can hardly ever play with him and so mm-hmm. i always feel really bad because it's like hey he'll be like hey does anybody want to play anything and it's like you and i are always both like hey sorry we're working because that but, 10 a.m. our time. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he, hopefully he's getting excited, but he, I was reading this review and then I was like, I was heartbroken. I was like, oh man. So I'm going to read it in its entirety without uh, truncating it any, uh, just so you can understand uh, why. But this one comes in from Nexo Ninja 10. 
and it is titled So Good. I love your podcast. It is great. And if you haven't done it yet, please, can you do an episode on Grounded? P.S. Can you please read my review? Because I sent it a couple months ago, and I listened to every episode waiting for it to be read. Oh, <laughs> Nexo. Poor Nexo. We're sorry. We love you. Uh, and there you go, buddy. I don't know how that one, uh, we missed that. But you know what's funny, Paul? So I talk about all this, but guess who I played Rocket League with today? Did you play with Nexo? I played with Nexo and another guy, oh, Red nice. Letter. So shout out to Red Letter, one of our epic supporters. Uh, but yeah, I got to play with Nexo and Red Letter. So it was great. Oh, good. Yeah, because Nexo and I were talking a little bit about maybe trying to arrange something on the weekend because he's East Coast. And when I get on, I think he's getting ready to go to bed because I can't really normally get on until the evenings. So that's really good. I'm I'm glad he was able to find a partner at least here for today and maybe a little bit on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, we may have to do a grounded episode. I, there are a lot of people that love that game. I remember playing the demo. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It feels like it was almost a year ago, but I was highly impressed with the demo of that game. And I know it's come a long way in the last year. Um, and so that might be one we need to put on our radar as far as an actual like deep dive goes. Yeah. It's one of those games that I haven't heard anything negative. It seems like everyone who's played it likes it. And I know famously it's got the mode to remove all spiders in case you have <laughs> arachnophobia. So that's always good. All right. Well, I think that's all we have by way of housekeeping. So let's get into it and let's talk Tribes of Midgard. All right. If you guys are new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about the structure for what you guys can expect here today. I'm going to read a description of the game from Steam, and then we're going to just jump into all aspects of the game. We're going to talk about what works, what did we like, what did we dislike. We're going to read some community reviews, play a little game that we call Make Love, Marry, or Murder, and then we will rank the game on our official leaderboard. So starting out here, Tribes of Midgard was developed by a company called Norsefell, and it just released recently on July 27th. And here is the description on Steam. The giants are coming. Form a tribe with up to 10 players to defend your village from the relentless onslaught of deadly spirits and gigantic brutes hell-bent on bringing on the end of the world in this game with a unique blend of action, survival, and roguelite elements. All right. I think that's a pretty good description. And Josh, I thought I would just kind of ask you, you know, how did you first find out about Tribes of Midgard And what is it that drew you to the game? Because I know that you were very excited to play this when it came out. I was very hyped. This I've been saying it for a little while now. This last the week before this one um, was a good uh, week for releases. We had Tribes of Midgard. We had the Ascents. There's some good stuff coming up. The New World Beta was going on. It was just a good couple weeks for gaming. Um, I mean, Paul, you know me, man. I keep up with everything. Totally found this game all by myself. You know, (laughs) was was doing my research. <laughs> no, just kidding. It was recommended to us on our Discord. I think it was Jake. I think it was Legendary Jake. Was it? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. sure. Right. I, if I feel like it was Jake, if not, then I think maybe it was Ace of Shame. But anyway, I mean, let's be honest. It, it's all me, Paul. So I, I found it. Um, but no. Uh-huh. So this game, it looked it looked great from the very beginning. Um, we saw the little preview trailer where it shows all of the Vikings running around. We saw 10 player co-op, which that is a huge 
catchphrase, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> um, because yep. we love games that we can play together as a large group. And I mean, so it, it checked all the boxes right away. So I got very hyped for this game almost instantaneously. I love Norse mythology. I mean, who doesn't love Vikings? Who doesn't want to fight these absolutely gigantic Jotun uh, that, you know, are coming to crush your your village? Uh, the tower defense kind of aspect of the game where your village gets raided every night and you have to defend it sounded really cool. They touted survival elements and crafting and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it literally just checked every box that you could hope for as far as what this game described itself as. Yeah, I remember talking about how the game definitely appealed to me. I really love the isometric view games. This one is not hack and slash like Diablo. It's a little bit more strategic. I would not call it Souls-like or anything like that, but it does require a little bit of using your shield and dodging and things of that nature. The only thing I was not crazy about in seeing the demos was the animation style. And other than that, I was totally on board. I love survival games. I love when we can get a big group of players together. I'm not as crazy about Norse mythology as you, but I like it. So I think we were very excited to jump in. And I think what we're primarily going to talk about today is the main saga mode. There is technically like survival mode and and some other stuff you can do in this game, but saga mode is the bread and butter of this game. Do you want to tell the people a little bit about how each individual match works? Yeah. So with, I mean, we're going to talk about saga mode first. Survival is basically just saga mode without an ending. And it just kind of progressively gets harder and harder, but you don't have quite the same objectives. But with saga mode, you do have an actual objective and that's to defeat like the main boss, um, who is Fenrir, which is the giant wolf, uh, that you've, you can see in Thor. What's the one where he fights his sister? Thor Ragnarok. Is that, was that Ragnarok? I think so. The one with Kate Blanchett as the yeah, villain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So if you remember yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end, like the giant wolf, that's Fenrir, right? Um, so anyway, that's your ultimate goal. But a match starts off with everybody spawning into the world. You're basically naked. You don't have anything. And you kind of have to just start off by gathering some materials so that you can craft, you know, a pickaxe and a hatchet, which is going to let you gather more materials. Standard survival fare, right? Um, and then as you gather stuff, you can, you know, use those materials to craft like a sword, you know, once you get some iron or a shield and some armor and stuff like that. But as you're doing all this and you are fighting the monsters that are out in the world, you collect souls. And souls are basically like the currency in this game. And they mm-hmm. come into play in a lot of different ways. They're very, very important, but they're also kind of the choke point in this game that I've found anyway. Maybe I'm irresponsible with my souls, you know? Um, I'm maybe <laughs> no, a little I think, too I think spendy. You're right. <laughs> no, no, you're um, definitely right. But you can use souls to upgrade the vendors in your village, and there's a bunch of different ones. There's a blacksmith and an armor and a tinkerer and a potion guy. You can give them to uh, Yggdrasil. I'm just going to keep saying that like I can say it like a pro mm-hmm. um, to like boost the uh, the tree's health so that when it gets attacked, it you know it can survive longer and stuff like that. Um, and then you, as you upgrade your village, you are able to upgrade your defenses and survive longer. Occasionally. Uh, a Jotun, which is one of the mega giants in this game, will start wandering its way towards your village, and you do have to address that. If it gets to your village, you're basically toast. It'll take the tree out and nothing flat. 
Um, and then there's a little bit of, hey, you've got to work your way to a certain part of the map so that you can try to unlock these bridges or portals so that you can ultimately make it to Fenrir and kill him. And if you can kill Fenrir and then leave, you win? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, is it? Basically. I mean, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, that's I, it in a nutshell. So, Yeah, I think the only major component that you kind of left out is just the fact that the game does have a night and day cycle. So kind of the whole idea of the game is that you are doing more of your combat and exploration during the day, and then the game warns you as it becomes night, and then all of these hell things are going to rush your village and you have to protect it. So a lot of times you are playing with a big group of 10 people. You don't necessarily need all 10 to return at night, but you probably need a good five or so. And then you are fighting those hell things that spawn around the village. And if they make it past your initial defenses, that's when they start attacking the seed of Idrisil. And if Idrisil falls, then Ragnarok arrives and it's game over. The The saga mode ends. It puts you back at the main menu and you can start another round. And if you do play and you end up defeating one of these Jotuns who spawn every couple of days and you can choose to fight them right away, you can choose to let them sit a bit. But once you defeat the first one, then the Bifrost in the game activates, which allows you to basically leave that match and return to Valhalla. And then it's going to give you a bunch of XP. It's going to give you some rewards that you can spend on various things in between matches and so this is basically why the game is considered roguelike, is that you are playing individual matches, you are not taking your gear from one match to the next, but there is progression. Do you want to talk a little bit about like how you progress throughout the game match to match? Yeah, and that should, I mean, I guess we should have clarified that this is a 100% a roguelike game. Like You are going to start all over every time you play. You know, and yeah. so you, you have to be okay with that or you're not going to like this game at all. Now, there are permanent progression uh, items in the game. There are, I think, eight different classes. Is it yeah, eight, or eight classes? Eight classes. Mm-hmm. So those are fun because once you unlock a class, it does play differently and they do have different skill trees and stuff like that. So that definitely helps to enhance the feeling of progression and combat. Um, and what these different classes can do. So that is a lot of fun in the game to unlock those. And they're, they're unlocked via like different challenges. So like one of them is you have to exit via the Bifrost 10 times. Okay. Well, that's yeah. easy enough. You just have to play and then, you know, kill a Yoten and get out. One of them, like the Sentinel, you have to block 25 attacks within 10 seconds. And that yeah. is not easy to do. <laughs> um, you know, so, so the classes are neat in that aspect because there's these different ways to go about unlocking them. Uh, you can also unlock recipes. So part of the crafting in this game is, you know, using the blacksmith and finding the materials to craft these better and better weapons. And some weapons are locked until you get the recipes for them. Uh, and so, you know, as you kill the Jotun, you get these golden horns. Those are like your permanent currency. When you go back to the main menu in between rounds, uh, you can spend those golden horns to unlock recipes that will then allow you to craft these higher tier weapons. And the benefit of those are, number one, obviously they do more damage, but number two, weapons have skills tied to them. And as you move up the 
rarity ranks, you get more skills. So whereas your base weapon might have one ability, your legendary weapons will have three abilities. And that's where the combat is greatly enhanced because there's a lot of different stuff you can do at that point. And that's really it. I mean, progression-wise, permanent progression-wise, there's not really much else, man. Like, this game is definitely about the gameplay loop, not so much the permanent progression loop. Yeah, I was going to say, the permanent progression that you can do between matches is a driving force. I almost find that you don't even really need it, because I think the gameplay is so much fun. I love jumping into a match. Uh, a saga match can go anywhere from maybe an hour to being several hours. It kind of depends what your group is like and what you're looking to accomplish. I have played matches by finding groups in the official Discord server, and you can find and kill Fenrir by day five. And that's maybe about an hour-long match, and you can beat the saga and then start another match if you want. You can also try to just survive as many days as possible. And so that's one thing that this game has, is that the eternal winter is slowly creeping upon the world. And so once you hit, I don't remember what it is, it's like day 11, the whole world gets significantly colder, and you will start to take damage unless you're wearing special gear that makes you cold-proof or if you're taking a certain cold elixir that makes you immune to it. So there's a lot of different ways that you can play, and I think that that game loop is fine as is. You can hop in for a few hours, knock out a match, and then play as long as you can and just start over. Uh, But having some of that stuff you can unlock along the way, I think is just kind of gravy at that point. Uh, I think the only other progression thing that you can really earn are starter kits. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it's like initially to play the game and then how the starter kits do help? Yeah, the starter kits help a lot. So I had mentioned that you everybody kind of spawns into the world naked and you have to go gather, you know, branches and flint so you can make your kind of starter tools. Well, the game has some challenges in it where, for instance, when you craft a rare item for the first time, you'll you'll unlock that achievement. But the reward for that is that the next time you play the game, well, from here on out anyway, you can start with a pickaxe and a hatchet. So you don't need to craft those. And then if you craft like a, like an epic piece of gear, that will unlock the ability to start with armor and weapons instead. But it's a choice that you have to make because if you start with full armor and weapons, you don't have a pickaxe. And a hatchet. So then you're concentrating on like, well, I can't chop these trees down and I can't harvest this iron that I just came across, but I can fight these guys. And if you do the pickaxe and the hatchet, you can't really fight these guys because you're just punching them in the face, you know, at at that point. So there is a trade off there. Um, I like that aspect because you can kind of decide how you want to play. Um, another kit that you can unlock is like a bow and arrow and some arrows and a rune because there's runes in the game that you can unlock that kind of have different perks, I guess. Uh, you might have a greater chance of finding loot. Uh, if you die, maybe you don't lose everything and you keep 20% of stuff. Um, if you're in an area that's really hot or really cold, your guy might run faster. So there are all these just kind of different uh, perks that your character can have. And they change every game because, like you said, you don't keep anything from one game to the next. 
Um, and so how you start off is, is pretty huge. And I do like the fact that they'll give you that chance once you've played a little bit to say, okay, like you don't need to craft a pickaxe and a hatchet if you don't want to. Like you've played enough at this point that you don't need to do that. Um, so that's, a, that is a nice little touch because it, it does help you kind of not feel so repetitive in the beginning of the game. Yeah, because I think without a doubt, we would probably all agree that the worst part of playing tribes is the first few minutes of just getting established. You have to have some baseline gear. And so once you've got a couple more of the starter kits, at least you can pick one area to start out with gear. So at least you don't have to worry about that part. But, you know, I, I, I thought that we should address a little bit about dying because you brought that up here. So what we should say is if you die in the game, you do respawn. It doesn't kick you out of the game and go back to the menu. So you play as long as you can until your village is destroyed or you extract. But there is a penalty when you die. You lose all of the souls that you have collected, which is the main currency that is used for basically almost everything in the game. So you definitely don't want to die because that is a huge penalty. It's going to set you behind for the rest of the game. And you do have to recover your loot. So the map is littered with fast travel points. So it's usually not too bad to go back and recover your loot. Uh, but the deaths do matter and you want to avoid it as much as you can. And I think that that's probably a good segue where we can talk about the combat. So in the game, you are crafting various weapons. You are running around this map. You are fighting tons of different kinds of enemies and also slaughtering animals around the world. There are innocent deer and pigs and boars and penguins. I felt terrible the first Crabs. time I slaughtered a bunch of penguins. But hey, you get feathers and, and you got to use those for crafting certain things in the game. Dude, if it moves, it dies, in my opinion. Yeah. There is no animal that I am not just chopping up because they all give you something. You know, yeah, you're on a beach and I saw these little crabs moving around and I was like, I wonder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, just <laughs> whack, you know, and then you get like crab shells and stuff. But all this stuff is used in the crafting. So it's like it's important to do. Um, but yeah, it's funny, man. It's everything is fair game. Oh, yeah. It's a dog eat dog world for sure. Yeah, it, you you got to kill or be killed. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about the weapons. So there are basically four different kinds of weapons in this game. You can choose to play with a sword, an axe, a hammer, or bows. And the game does let you assign two weapons that you can quick swap back and forth. And those four different weapon types do kind of play a, a certain way. So the swords and the axes you can combine along with a shield. The hammer is more like a giant two-hand battle hammer that is going to give you more offense but less defense. And then, of course, bows and arrows give you some range. And then uh, Josh had mentioned a little bit about how there are different tiers. So the weapons go from common, uncommon, rare, epic, legendary, which is kind of the standard for all games. And the higher the tier the more abilities you can do with that weapon. So did you want to talk about any of those weapon types? Are there any ones that you like or dislike? Give me that hammer, buddy. You know me. I was kind of surprised about this. Really? I like the hammer. A little bit. It's just because, I mean, don't get me wrong. They all feel good. Actually, I, I take that back. I hate the bows in this game. 
Like, some people love it, and there is definitely a place because some monsters will tear you up. And the Jotun, you, like, they do a lot of damage really close to them. And so being able to sit back with a bow and just pew pew with them is very handy. But the bows yeah. to me feel so underwhelming. I don't know if it's like the speed of the arrows or the speed at which you can fire them, or I don't know what it is, man, but I don't like the bows. But give me that big old two handed hammer where you can just flying overhand smash leap. Like, if you remember, and, and see, one of the things we need to mention is there's two different types of each weapon, right? So, like, the swords, you'll have a villager sword, and then you have, like, a henseer sword or something like that. And each sword behaves a little bit differently. Like, one sword does, like, a whirlwind around you. The other one will actually, like, shoot out a whirlwind, you know? And so yeah, you like can shoot kind out of, tornadoes. Right, yeah, yeah. And so it's like you can kind of pick which one you like. And it's the same with the hammers and the axes, for that matter. But I just remember getting this ability because I upgraded my hammer, and I got this like superhero leap where you <laughs> just <Yeah>. two handed <laughs> overhand smash this. Hand. And I remember going like, "Paul, Paul, look, look at my leap, Paul, look at my leap." And you're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Watch." And then you're like, "Okay, go ahead, Josh." <laughs> and then I just like leaped forward, and I was like, "Isn't that awesome?" <laughs> but the, yeah, the, the hammers so, are pretty you know, cool. Yeah, yeah, the hammers are pretty the, neat. The, the the bows are definitely underpowered. I think that's the one thing I've seen and heard people talk about the most because the game does have communication. A lot of people do use mics. A lot of people type within game chat. And a lot of people seem to agree that the bows definitely need to be buffed, whether that's bringing buffs to the ranger class and maybe increase the damage of the bows or just increasing damage of all bows across the board. But uh, especially for fighting those Jotun, so, you know, we, we kind of mentioned them that these are these giant bosses that come out every few days and they slowly march toward your village. But where you are fighting normal enemies that might have, I don't know, like 800 damage, these Jotun will be 580,000 Yeah, damage. they got a lot so of life. These are no joke. Like, this will take you several minutes to fight with a group of four or five people. And sometimes as it gets closer to the village, you might have to have all hands on deck. All 10 in your group have to come fight this Jotun. Otherwise, you're going to lose that match. It's funny because with the Jotun, they move so slowly that you forget about them for a little while. Yeah. And, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, legitimately, you do. And it's like, you know, there's always a big red indicator on the minimap that tells you the direction that the Jotun is. But it's like you just get lulled into this sense of like, oh yeah, we don't have to worry about that right now. Until we got all of two a sudden, to three days. yeah, until all of a sudden you get a big warning on your screen that says the Jotun is close to your village, and then everybody goes, "Oh crap!" And then everybody <laughs> scrambles for this Jotun. But like you said, these things have a ton of health, man. They take a few minutes to take down, and. Oh, yeah. And they're not easy fights by any means. Now, they do telegraph their attacks pretty well. But when you have eight people all fighting and doing whirlwinds and tornado attacks and overhead hammer smashes, Paul, I suck at fighting the Jotun. I, do, I die yeah. so many times against these stupid things because I can't see what's going on. <laughs> you know, curse these old man eyes of mine. But <laughs> it's like, yeah. I just, because it's like one stomp and you're toast. Yeah, like, it's very easy to die quickly, especially, like, one of the Jotun will put out this giant void mark on the map, and if you stand in it and you don't roll out of it immediately, 
you're just gonna die. Now, it, the game does knock you down first, and one of your allies can res you if they press a button for a couple seconds, but even then, you're still getting attacked while you're crawling on the ground, and it's very easy to just die and, and get killed at that point. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about defending the village. So you're out fighting during the day, maybe you hunt down the Jotun and you kill it before it gets to the village, but then every evening you've got these hell things that you have to, you know, fight as you protect the village, and every once in a while you'll get a blood moon night, which means you're going to get an extraordinarily strong wave of enemies, including elite mobs that are very hard to fight, but it does give you the benefit because now the following night you will not have to defend the village at all. You'll get one night of peace. So it's, you know, you have to fight the storm and then you get the calm after. But do you want to talk a little bit about like the gates and the archer towers? It's, I, I like this aspect of the game, to be honest. It would not be the same game without it. And I know a lot of people complain about that, you know, nighttime comes quick, right? Like, I don't know what the day night cycle is, but it's probably like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of daytime and then like three minutes of nighttime or something like that. So, um, it, you know, it's something that needs to be addressed. And the, the point of this is, is that you have three entrances to your village and these hell things will come into all three entrances. And if they get close to the, the to the tree, they will start attacking the tree. And that is their sole focus. Like they don't care about you. They're just trying to take the tree out. And so that's why I say it's kind of like a tower defense in that regard, because they're just singular minded, go kill the tree. And if you don't stop them before they get there, your tree's going to take damage. Well, that can add up over, over time. And the only way to heal your tree is with souls, but souls are a rare commodity and they, you need to spend those on other things. So it's very important that you protect the tree. And you can do that in a lot of ways. And one way is that you can build these big old hefty gates that you can close. So that when the hell things come, they have to break down the gate before they can even get inside the village. And then what you can do is you can build archer towers on either side of the gate so that while the hell things are trying to smash this gate to smithereens, your archers are just pelting them and killing them in the process. Um, and so there is, there are ways of defending things. And then the cool thing is you can upgrade your gates to like level two and even level three. And you see the progression, like, you know, at first they're just this like wood gates, but then they start having like iron banding. And then level three, they have like shields all over them and like big strips of metal and all that stuff. Um, and your archer towers can start shooting like fire arrows and stuff like that. So it is a very neat aspect that the problem is, is that if you don't have a good group and I'm guilty of this, I'm just going to go ahead and admit <laughs> it. You're out in the world. You're, you're doing mm -hmm. your thing. You're collecting stuff. You're fighting. You're clearing out these little camps that are scattered around the world. There is quests that you can take and stuff like that. And nighttime hits and the game warns you, Hey, hell things are attacking you. And you just kind of go like, ah, everybody else will take it. care of that. They right. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, I'm out doing stuff. But the problem is, is that when everybody goes, ah, I'm out doing stuff, I'll let the other guys worry about it before you know what your village is overrun and your tree takes damage quickly. Like it, this is not a tanky tree. You really got to protect this thing. And you can so die it, one night. It can go south really, really quick if people are not paying attention and working together. So I really like that aspect of the game. It's something that you have to address. Um, and so it adds that level of like necessity to it and danger to the game that I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're at that halfway mark, Josh. So let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. 
Hey guys, this episode of the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast is brought to you by Logitech. You have the opportunity to help support the show and also get some awesome gaming accessories to help maintain your competitive edge while gaming. I actually use a Logitech G413 backlit keyboard. Actually bought it with my own money back in 2017, long before the show, and it's still running great. Uh, actually, as I'm looking around, I also have a Logitech webcam, and they sell so much more than that. They have tablet keyboards, they've got mice, speakers, Bluetooth accessories, all kinds of stuff that you might need for your PC or for mobile devices. So you can actually head on over to MultiplayerPodcast.com slash Logitech store, and that'll forward you right to their website. Thanks so much for your guys' support. Now let's get back to the show. All right, Josh, we were talking a little bit about being a team player. And there is one thing that is Wait, so why necessary. why are you grinning at me, Paul? I'm a well, team player, Paul. <laughs> you, you are a team player. But here's the thing. In the game, you are running around and you're gathering tons of materials. You're using your hatchet to chop down trees. You're using your pickaxe to hit iron, silver, obsidian, garnet nodes. And you're collecting all these things that you can use for crafting. Well, the game gives you a big, giant war chest, and they teach you how to use this in the tutorial, but basically you can put items in the chest, and that makes it available for anyone to use to craft items. And there are so many games right now, because the game is still pretty new. It's only been out for about a week and a half, and so many people just hoard the items, and they don't have enough to build anything, but they're not sharing their items. Don't And it do just this. hamstrings Don't the whole group. do it, man. There is a... I get it, right? I was, I was guilty of this for the first probably three games or so that we played. But you're out mm-hmm. there, you're doing the work, you're collecting all this stuff, and you, you can craft with this stuff, right? So it's like, oh, I want that tier three sword, so let me hoard all this stuff. I went and earned it, right? It's mine. You know, and then it's like, well, I'm going to craft this sword, but this is not an individual game. And it takes a little bit for people to learn that. But the games where you work as a team are so much better than the games where everybody is just this individual. I'm trying to, to buff up my guy, you know, and, and get this really good sword for me while that guy over there is running around with base gear. He can't help. You know, he can't help fight the Yoden. He can't really help defend the village. It's just, it seems counterintuitive for when you're playing this character and you have your class and you're gathering all this stuff and everything else. But I mean, public service announcement from Paul and I put your stuff in the chest. (laughs) And I get it, right? But when everybody does that, guess what happens? Everybody has the stuff that they need. It's just exactly. That's exactly the thing, because if you're hoarding mats, maybe you've got three out of the four mats, and you've got double of everything, but you're just missing that one piece of gear. Meanwhile, someone else has double of everything except one piece of gear that you have, and if you both just put everything in the chest, you're both going to get to craft that that item. So the game definitely requires that. And then there's also, on the map, there is always a quarry, a lumberyard, and a farm. And if you put enough souls and enough materials in them, they will deliver goods to your war chest every few minutes. And there are so many games I play where the noobs are putting nothing in the chest. They are not helping build the quarry, the lumber yard, or the farm. They're not helping build gates. 
And all they're doing, like you were joking in the intro, is pumping everything into the blacksmith because they just think, well, if I get a tier five blacksmith and everything else is level one, that's somehow going to help. And that is not how this game works. This game is very well balanced. You have to level everything up together. You have to share your gear. I think the game is actually designed very well in that regard. It definitely rewards that kind of team play. And that's why I have loved the matches that I have played through Discord because you're guaranteed to get 10 people who are all using mics. And if, and it's very user friendly right now. Like if you don't know what to do, people are very willing to teach you. Uh, all, all gaming communities like this get toxic eventually, but at least for now, people are very kind and they're willing to help. It's a cooperative game. I, I mean, honestly, there's no competition in this game. So this is one of those games where everybody has to work together. And if you play this game in the me aspect, I'm going to go out and collect all this stuff so that I can improve me. You're a detriment to your team at that point. Like you really are, mm-hmm. you know? And so I like games where everybody has a common goal because you find that people want to work together and you you don't have as much of that toxicity, you know, the competition can bring out and stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, people mess up and, you know, maybe you had, you know, 800 souls on you, which is a lot. And you died and you lost them all. Like, okay, you probably should have done something with those first. Or maybe you're that guy that's wandering around at night that's not helping defend the village, you know, or something like that. But so there, you know, there are things that you can do wrong. But I have found that the community for the most part is very friendly because people are working together. Um, and so I like that aspect of it a lot. Yeah, I've really only seen one fight breakout. So even though this game's been out, I think for like nine days or something, I've I've clocked twenty hours into the game, and I have seen one fight where a guy dragged two werewolves into another guy, and then he died and lost a ton of souls. And so they got into a little bit of a lover's spat in the chat. So honestly, out of only one match out of all the several that I've played, that's not bad at all. I, I really hope it stays that way. Yeah. All right. So we, we got a couple minutes before we move on to our, our, our later segments, but let's talk a little bit about those classes. So you talked about how there's some different ways to unlock them by getting these achievements. You start out with two choices. You have a warrior and a ranger. You can probably guess what that is. You know, the warrior focuses on more melee weapons, the ranger with the bow and arrow. The ranger does not seem to be terribly popular, but as you defeat enemies and as you upgrade things in the village, it all gives you XP. And then you start to earn these blessing points. And you spend your first one to choose your class, and then you cannot change it for the rest of the run. You're locked in. And then as you level, you earn more blessing points that you get to put inside your skill tree. So the classes that you can unlock later are the Guardian, Hunter, Berserker, Sentinel, Seer, and Warden. I have still not unlocked the Warden. Uh, that's one that's missing. That's one where you got to go 15 days into the game. And it seems like with most games, you're not going to make it to 15 or you've already killed Fenrir and people are just kind of done. So I think the Warden is by far the hardest to unlock. But were there any classes that you kind of had fun playing around with a bit? I have not locked, unlocked all of them. Um, you know, I think they all play fairly well. I, you know, the Rangers kind of lackluster. I hate that they made that like a starting class because it didn't really wow me. You know, um, everyone picks so, warrior. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. goes warrior. You, you try ranger once and then you go, ah, I don't really like this guy. 
Um, I, I think they could have done a little bit better job making the beginning classes a little bit more interesting. But then, I mean, that does make it better when you do unlock some of the other ones. Um, I mean, they all have something unique, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, the, the seer is like the healer, like the actual dedicated healer, uh, class. The sentinel and the guardian are your kind of very tanky warrior types that use shields and stuff a lot. Um, you know, the, what is it? The hunter that lets, uh, they get like a lot of movement speed abilities. So they make really good scouts. Um, you know, there's things like that. The Berserker obviously is a really good fighter, can just do a ton of damage. And so they all really stand out a lot. Now, because I haven't unlocked all of them, I, I mean, I, I have been enjoying the Sentinel because the Sentinel is basically Captain America, which I love <laughs> right because, you know, that you run around with the shield, you can block stuff, but then you get an ability that lets you throw the shield and that will stun things and it will bounce um, from like one monster to the next and stun them all, which is really cool. Uh, if you hold up your shield, it gives like an armor bonus to everybody around you. So they kind of have like team buffs and stuff like that as well. Um, I think I would like the seer, but I haven't unlocked the seer yet because being able to heal people is huge in this game. The only way that you can heal is through potions that you have to craft. Uh, there's like a, a seer. Is, is she a seer? Dagny? Yeah, Dagny the Seer. Dagny right? the Seeress, maybe Cirrus, yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah. you she'll trigger a heal every minute and a half um, that you can use to heal up. But otherwise, like healing's not easy to come by. So having a class that could actually heal everybody would be really nice and beneficial. Um, I like that there's classes in this game. The one weird thing to me, if I was going to be picky about it, is that I wish more abilities were tied to the classes instead of the weapons. Mm. You know, that makes um, sense. it's, yeah. it's a little weird that like you only get more abilities if you upgrade how good your weapon is versus unlocking them in your skill tree. It's like, that just doesn't, it's a little backwards in my mind. Um, it works. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's just, it's a little weird for my brain to wrap itself around. Cause it's like, well, you should get skills from your skill tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point because the classes will. They'll have like passive abilities that can trigger, but they're usually not very active. So like as the seer, you can put a point where if you get attacked that an enemy might get snared and you're going to spawn the little tree that heals. So there are some things like that that are passive, but it's not of an active nature. All of the active abilities are tied to the weapons. So that that is a little bit funny. I know I have really enjoyed playing as the seer. I think one thing that we have not totally talked about is that there are different biomes in the game as you explore the world. So as you increase your gear, the game does give you a level score. And as you enter a new area, they'll tell you what level the mobs are. And that kind of helps you gauge whether or not you're going to be able to fight in that area. And as you explore, you'll find desert biomes and also cold, snowy biomes. And as you spend more time in those areas, you do have a temperature meter and you will start to take damage if it's too hot or too cold. And the seer has a very special ability that people really love where it just negates all temperature. And that's also really important because if you fight Fenrir, he is always where you cross a bridge into the glacier and it's always cold. And you and I had a match the other day, Josh, that we had a great group and we could not fight Fenrir or do anything because I don't think we had any seers in our group because I hadn't unlocked it yet. And we were just dying from the cold over and over and over. 
Because we couldn't find any mushrooms to craft the potions. See, uh, this is my number one complaint with this game, right? Like, I'll, I'll just, since you brought it up, like, I'll talk about it now. My biggest complaint with this game is that things can go sour real fast, right? Like, because souls are so important and because crafting materials are so important later on, that if you start to run low... Like there's, there, you've been here and so you can attest to this, right? Your weapons have durability. Your armor has durability. The only way that you can repair things is to spend souls. But if your weapon breaks, it gets very expensive to fix. And so the problem is if you're out in the world and you die and you lose all your souls, but your weapon was also broken or very close to being broken, you can't gather enough souls quickly enough. Like you're useless for the next like 10 minutes. Like you can't you can't fight anything because your weapon's broken. I mean, yes, you can go craft another crappy weapon, but it's like you won't really want to do that. You have no souls. You can't fight stuff to go get souls. You can chop down trees, but you don't really need wood at this point in the game. You know, and it just that part gets very frustrating to me. And then like you mentioned, we had to be able to make potions to survive the cold. This cold is brutal. You cannot survive it for very long. And the only way to make these cold resist potions is to have mushroom oil. Well, you know, I don't know if everybody took the mushroom oil because we died a bunch or what, but I spent five minutes running around a forest looking for mushrooms and couldn't find a single mushroom. And yeah. you need two mushrooms to make one potion. So after five minutes of nothing, I'm just like, Paul, this is stupid. Like we can't, we can't go fight Fenrir because we can't survive the cold because we can't find any stupid mushrooms. Yeah, but see, I thought that was great, because this is the stuff that you have to learn in the game between matches. We spent all of our gear making fancy weapons, and we didn't have proper cold-resist gear. We blew, you know, all of these mushrooms on other things, and then we ran out, and we didn't know to have more sears. And so I thought that was actually kind of a, a cool thing that happened, and we ended up having to book it for the Bifrost because <laughs> we, we were so focused. <laughs> yeah, because we were so focused on trying to survive in the cold and that didn't work that a Jotun ended up getting close to the village. We tried to fight it. It broke through the first Dude, gate and then we sprinted to the Bifrost to get out. <laughs> the Jotun is at the village walls. Everybody's fighting <laughs> yeah. it, but it's still at like half health. And and you and I are just going like, Paul, Paul, do, do you think we can kill this? Do you, I don't know, man. Make like should should we just leave? Like should we go to the Bifrost? And we're like, no, 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 we got this, we got this. And then you know, forty five seconds later, we're, this thing's health is dropping, but not fast enough. And then we're like, I don't know, man. Maybe we should just call it quits because <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention that if you if the tree dies, you get nothing. Like I mean, you don't get the golden horns for killing all the Jotun and stuff like that. Like you really want to evac via the Bifrost to get a lot better rewards to get those permanent things, right? And so it was just it was a hilarious moment where you and I were wavering back and forth, like, do we run or do we fight? And then we were like, let's fight. And then we were like, no, no, let's run. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 had to renege on that rather quickly. Yeah, as long as you defeat one Jotun, then if things start to go south, you just go and you 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 evacuate. So it's very hard to have a game where you don't get anything because you kill your first Yoten within like day four. So it's it's honestly not. I think you kind of learn the timeline and the ebbs and flows of the game, but there's definitely that learning curve. And I have found it to be a blast learning that with the general population. I think if you try to join this game six months from now, 
you're probably going to find that everyone's doing the same stuff and it won't be quite as fun. I was really glad that we got in on this from the from day one when it released. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, Josh. Well, that's what we think about Tribes of Midgard. What do the Steam users have to say about it? All right. So, man, I'm not going to lie. This one was tough, Paul. I, I feel like I read a novel today looking through these <laughs> Steam reviews. Does I don't everyone think, want to tell you their life story? Dude, I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> Everybody wanted to just write like these like eight-page reviews. And so I was like, well, I'm not reading that on the show. So I did. I was able to find a few that you know were good and helpful and touched on some of the good points and the bad points. So um, all right. So this first one, this is a recommended review. This person has 20 hours on record, so a decent bit of playtime. And he says, mix between Terraria, Valheim, and Seven Days to Die. I really like it. Big recommend. Oh, and guys, it's not the next Assassin's Creed or the next Dark Souls. Why do people always expect a AAA game? This game is $30. That's for the deluxe version. It's actually only $19.99. And it's worth the money. It's not a $70 game. And yes, some elements are lacking, but I didn't expect it to be like the next big game. No. I have fun playing this, and this is all that matters. So, I mean, we didn't touch on the price of this game, but it's $19.99 for just the basic version. The deluxe version gets you, what, cosmetics, I think? Yeah. yeah At $20, so. it is extraordinarily well-priced for what you get out of this. Yeah, it's a very polished game, so uh, I agree. Okay, so this one is not recommended. Two and a half hours on record. Due to poor marketing, this game just really isn't what I thought it would be. The closest comparison I could draw would be Risk of Rain, where the core gameplay loop is trying to grow your power enough to beat a boss and get as far as you can before you're overwhelmed. I was expecting it to be more of an action RPG slash survival game, but those aspects are secondary and not the focus. That's a fair comp. It's a lot like Risk of Rain. I, Dude, when this guy... I, I was reading this one, and I was like, this guy nailed it 100%. Because they did market the game as like Diablo meets Valheim. And I don't feel like that is a fair comparison at all. Like, it is at least the saga mode. Then that's what we've been talking about, right? In saga mode, the goal is to get strong enough, quick enough, that you can survive and kill Fenrir. This is not like a looter or action RPG survival game. Like the only survival elements, like you don't need food. You don't need water. You don't need any of that stuff. The only survival elements is just defending your village every night so that your tree doesn't die. But in that regard, it's a temperature. You know, right. Yeah. I mean, the temperature does, it does start to get cold, but that's not till like day nine or 10 or 11 or something. So you have a long time before that kicks in. So I really like, if this game made you drink and eat food, people would absolutely complain about that. And they would say, I want to spend more time fighting. I, I will say that the survival, it, it's a, it's a flavor of survival in this game. It's not <laughs> it's a, really, it's a LaCroix. Like a rust game. Yeah. It's, it's a LaCroix. They, they waved survival elements near the code of this game. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next one is recommended 26 uh, hours on record. It's a pretty good game. I'm not a major fan of not being able to pause single player, but the save and quit feature <laughs> is pretty nice. Unlocking mm-hmm. some of the other heroes has felt tedious and or tough for me. Hopefully they change that up a bit in the future. Using the Bifrost to end a game is a smart move. You don't need to see every round until the bitter end. And that, I think, is key because the one thing that caught me off guard on this game was that it's a time commitment that I was not expecting. 
right? Like the matches like, are long. They are long. Like, I mean, we're used to Overwatch and Rocket League and some of these other just, you know, 10, 15 minute, you know, matches or rounds or something like that. And with tribes of Midgard, you're looking at an hour to two hours worth of commitment. Now, I like this review because it's a good reminder that you're not really like you can hop in, you can help out, you can kill the first Jotun, and then you can buy Frost out of there. You get progression, you get fun, and you're not locked in for a few hour stint if you don't want to be. But I think people, or at least myself, felt very obligated to try to see it through to like to just death. You know, like I'm hanging in until day 12 when we're overwhelmed finally. And I think that's a little daunting for some people. So it's a good reminder that you can just, you, it's okay to hop in and hop out on this game. Yeah, definitely. And, and there is a little bit of that element of the community learning how the game works. It, it kind of reminds me like when I first started World of Warcraft, you would run Scarlet Monastery and it would be like a three hour run. And then you fast forward two to three years, everyone's knocking it out in 20 to 30 minutes because now everyone knows what you do and how it works and how it functions. But yeah, so like when you play with the people who know what they're doing, you're going to kill Fenrir, get in and out in about an hour. But I have played matches where I've been in there for a full three hours and we're nowhere near fighting Fenrir. And now it's like day 14 and then we all just have to buy Frost out because we can't keep up with the weather. So I think you just have to think of it in terms of not every round you're going to make it day 15. Not every round you're going to kill Fenrir. Just have fun as long as you're having fun. And then just Bifrost when you want to get out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder. And I think you're right. I think people are still kind of figuring out uh, how the gameplay loop goes. So, um, all right. One one more? How many was that? Sure. Two? All right. We'll do one more. Three. All right, so I got to round it out then. Okay, so one more not recommended. Um, I think this guy has 0.7 hours on record. Now, apparently, if you only play less than an hour and you give it a not recommended, <laughs> I don't know that that's a fair shake, but uh, yeah. he has not like some how the menu points. looks. Yeah, right? <laughs> so he says, I think it has potential to be entertaining if you like games like this. For me, I was excited about this game until I actually played it. Just not a fan of the combat at all. Attacks do not feel meaty. Bows are horrendous. I actually found switching to a controller made the game more tolerable, but I quickly realized if the combat is not fun, the game is just a hamster wheel with no payoff. Disappointed, but I can see some people enjoying this type of game I already own Valheim. I might just go back and play that instead. Now, mm. I play this with a controller. I did try to play it with mouse and keyboard, and I felt it's like it's easy. way better with a controller. Yes, I would say it's a must-have. You must play with controller. Yeah, and and I mean, the reason that I picked this one is combat. They showcase a ton of combat in the trailers in the gameplay, and while combat is fine, I feel like it could be a lot better. So I kind of agree with like the attacks aren't meaty. Like sometimes you're just wailing and you're not really feeling anything. That's what I was going to say. This might come down to the fact that you love the hammers because when you're using the shield, you quickly learn how the monsters operate. And if I'm fighting one of the giant lizards in the swamp, I know it does a tail swipe. So I got to block that. I do swing, swing, and now I block, swing, swing, block, and then I can kill it. And then I'm going to go fight another mob, and I'm going to quickly learn how that mob operates. So I feel like the combat is a little bit more involved. I think with the hammer, you're going to get that the least, simply because 
all you're Hulk, gonna do is Hulk smash. Mash. <laughs> yeah, Hulk smash at that point. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really especially love the combat. Once you get a legendary weapon, you get to do some very cool things in this game. But not every, not every saga round are you gonna be able to get gear of that level. See, and that's the issue for me, right? Is that the legendary weapons are amazing because not only do you have more skills, but the base skill that you started your base weapon with is augmented like severely, right? So, like if you're throwing out a tornado. When you get a legendary weapon, now that same skill throws out five tornadoes, you know, and so it's just it's just so much better in every aspect. Um, but you're right, yeah, you're not always going to get those really good weapons either. So it's kind of like Risk of Rain, where you have those runs where you're super OP, and you have the other ones where you're just dinking, right? You know, stuff with a crappy weapon. You just every every round is going to be a little different being a yep. roguelite. All right, Paul. So that's some reviews. Let's see if I gave away any information. It is time for us to guess what the overall Steam rating is. This is a score from 0 to 100. What do you think? So I think the community definitely likes this game. Initially, I was thinking it would be really high, especially because it's cheap. Because I think for a $20 game, you get a lot out of this. But then I started thinking maybe $20 is low enough that you're getting so many people you're going to bring out more of the naysayers. I really don't know what to think. I'm just going to say 90%. All right. I guessed 86%. I think it's a plenty good game. There's a lot to like about it. It is a $20 game and is not fully fledged. I mean, we talked about some of the things that could be a little bit better or maybe can be a little bit aggravating. So it's like, well... You know, if I'm feeling that, I'm sure other people are going to feel that too. So, but it's a good game. I guessed 86%. The actual 73%. Ooh. It is, that's, why is it so low? Did you get a sense reading reviews? It's, it's just the people don't like the, they don't like don't the like roguelites. Rogue yeah. I mean, honestly, that's it. And they don't <laughs> okay. like the fact that I will say this for a roguelite, the permanent, see, part of what makes her, I, I like roguelites, right? Like I, I discovered that I actually enjoy them. I used to think that I didn't, but I do, but you have to have permanent progression in a roguelite to make the gameplay loop mean something. Right? Like Risk of Rain, different story in that regard, but you do unlock the characters in that game. I mean, a lot of the card based games, you unlock cards and abilities and stuff like that. Um, this game, I feel like the permanent progression is very lacking in that regard. And so I think that's something that they could easily improve on, but I think it's holding back a lot of people. And then the only other kind of common theme complaint is just that there is a shop that you can spend real money on to unlock cosmetics. And some of the cosmetics are just goofy. One of them's like a giant rainbow panda head that doesn't really yeah. fit inside like a Viking Norse mythology <laughs> game. Like that's a little very weird, goofy. you know? So I mean, that's very Fortnite-ish in my opinion and apparently in a lot of other people's opinions as well. So I think it's a crime that it's in the seventies. If it was something in the eighties, I would, I'd, I'd say, okay, if it's a marketing issue, fine. But to complain about roguelite elements of a game that definitely makes it clear that it's a roguelite. I don't know. I think maybe just people have the wrong expectations. Maybe watch a streamer or watch a match or two, and that'll give you a sense of what you're up for. Yeah. All right. Well, that means I won. You're the winner. Yeah. You get to take us into the next segment. Oh, boy. Hey, Jotun. You want to come back to my village and meet my tree? 
Oh, oh boy. Okay. That's that totally, that totally innocent, Paul. Don't know, Family oh, friendly. Josh. Why are you looking at me that way? Oh, oh boy. There's oh, a lot man. I could say. All I'm, right. I'm just going to leave it at that. This, hey, that it was 100% game related, Paul. I don't know what you're thinking, buddy. All right. So this, uh, this segment is uh, Make Love, Marry, or Murder. This is how we are going to rate a game based on those criteria. Murder, hey, we didn't like it. You probably shouldn't play it. Make Love, hey, this game is fun for a while, um, but not a game that you're probably going to leave installed on your computer forever or, you know, keep the, uh, you know, uh, taking up space on your console. Mary is, I will always come back to this game. It's amazing. There's really not a lot that I don't like about it. Paul, for me, it's a make love, but it's a timid make love. And I yeah. don't know why. I, was I don't know so why either, hyped. Josh. I was so that hyped might be the for problem. this game, Paul. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe I was just so starved, right? But there's so much good about this game. But then at the same time, I feel like there, it's just, it's missing like that it factor for me. And I don't know. If maybe from the gameplay, I was expecting the combat to feel better. I don't know if maybe I thought that there would be cooler progression in it. Like fighting the Jotun is cool, but the Jotun are so slow that it's almost like this weird slog combat thing. Um, the beginning of the game is very, very mundane. Like it really picks up after the first couple of days when people can start crafting stuff and you start opening up more of the map. And stuff like that. I, 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 it's not a murder, right? Like this game has a lot about it that's very, very good. But there's something about it that just doesn't grab me. Like I thought it would. And so it's it's a tentative make love for me. Like it is enjoyable. It's very well done game. I wish I could put my finger on what I don't like about it. But I think it's just a culmination of a lot of little things that kind of all come together for me. Um, that said, for 20 bucks, you really can't go wrong with this game either, though. So as much as I'm sounding negative towards it, it's kind of like, well, man, it's a pretty good game for the price point, too. Yeah, I feel like if you compare it to a game like Risk of Rain, I think that Tribes of Midgard just offers so much more. Like, there is just more progression, there are more achievements, there's more to do. We're going to get more chapters in the future. So right now, this is just chapter one, the Wolf Saga, and you beat it, and there's going to be more in the future. If this was a $60 game, I don't know that I'd be able to say that it's like marriage material. But for me, at $20, it's absolutely a marry. I... I guess it's just personal preference because everything you say, I would say the opposite. I think this has that it factor in spades. I want to play it right now. I knew we were in trouble when the last two days I had a little bit of free time and I start firing up tribes of Midgard and then I see Josh is playing Rocket League. That I <laughs> Don't you slander Rocket League, man. I'll always have like, my true oh. love, Paul. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have to hear Josh murder this game. So I'm no. glad it's not a murder. I was bracing for murder. Uh, I think the progression's great. I think the gameplay is everything that you'd want from a roguelite. I, I will say that the in-game cosmetics that you can buy in the shop are goofy. I have not seen anyone running around in the panda suit. I can't imagine anyone's going to spend real money or very hard-earned currency that you earn on that stuff, but maybe we're going to start to see it pop up. I don't know. But for me, it's it's a Mary. 
All right. So any last words on Tribes of Midgard before we jump into the leaderboard? Uh, I, I mean, it's a fun game, man. Like I said, I know I came across real negative there. It is a fun game. I would recommend this to people. It, it, it's because of the price point. You know, it, like you, like you said, if this was a forty sixty dollar game, I would be like no. But for twenty bucks, I think there's a ton of fun to be had there. It's just I can't put my finger on why it's not a Mary for me, but I don't mean to make it sound like this is something people should avoid because it is a lot of fun. Yeah, I would say for me, having twenty hours in the game, I feel like it's just hit its peak. I think if I played another 10 hours, which I plan on doing, I think that's when it's going to start to go downhill a little bit. So I think 20 to 30 hours is probably the right gameplay where you would have maximum enjoyment. And so for me, for a $20 price point, I'll pay a buck an hour to play it. So that's why I'm going to give it Mary. But let's go ahead and jump into the leaderboard and see where this game stacks up. All right, if you're new to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast, we have an overall leaderboard, which you can see at MultiplayerPodcast.com. We like to take every deep dive game that we do, rank it against all the others. It's kind of where Josh and I have to hash it out and come to a consensus of where we would place the game. Sometimes we are on wildly different planes of a game like Outer Wilds and Stardew Valley. Sometimes we're in complete agreement. I think like Resident Evil Village, we were both like, yeah, just pop it right in between those two, and we agree, and it's easy. This one sounds like it'll be a little bit more negotiating, but we currently have uh, 52 games on our leaderboard. That's a big list. As we take a look at it, Josh, where are you thinking that you would put Tribes of Midgard? Um, I think it's a fun game. I think it's accessible to a lot of people. My one complaint when we think about the leaderboard is that I don't feel like there's a ton of like this game. This is going to sound so goofy, right? But like this game revolves around teamwork, but like when me and you and Brandon and, and you know, uh, other people hop on, I feel like we're all off doing our own thing, which is part necessity. Like people have to be doing, you know, 20 different things at once. But even when we're playing together, it doesn't really feel like we're playing together. Does that make sense? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you're off doing the quarry. Yeah. I'm off trying to unlock waypoints. You know, Brandon's off trying to upgrade the the blacksmith and stuff like that. And it's like, I feel like we're not ever, like, a, a like wandering around the world together. And so... I, like I miss that part of it, you know, and maybe that's just us because we're trying to be really efficient and everything. But it, it <laughs> like it's one of those things where it's like it's one of those multiplayer games where I feel like you're playing alongside other people. You're not playing like with other people. I think that's fair for during the day. So during the day, it's more stuff like, "Hey, do you have any of this material?" Because that's what I need. So you're still talking, or it might be, "Hey, can you take the spawn point next to me? I need some help." But the game will kind of pull you together for the Jotnar, which I learned this week is plural for Jotun. Really? So for the Jotnar and at nighttime defending the village, the game kind of only forces you to fight together at those times. And then, of course, at the end game when you fight Fenrir. But other than that, yeah, a lot of it is is your own exploration during the day. Yeah. 
I feel like, I mean, I don't want to slander this game because it doesn't deserve that at all. I feel like this game belongs somewhere in probably the low to mid-20s. Low to mid-20s? Uh, so that would kind of put it all around Operation Tango, a way out, kind of somewhere around there. Well, oh, I meant low as in like closer to like like twenty oh, the lower to twenty three. Sure. Right, yeah. Higher ranked, but the I, lower I, right, number. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so more around like No Man's Sky, Far Cry five, Killing Floor Two. Yeah, I feel All like right, I mean we're, we're we're surprisingly not terribly apart, Josh, because I was just gonna say I think it should be in the mid teens. Like I would put it somewhere around Risk of Rain, Destiny Two, Rainbow Six Siege. And I know that some of those are like AAA titles. I just think Tribes does so many good things at a low price it belongs to be up there with it so i think if we're looking at it together we're probably looking at somewhere in the late teens i'll say this i i I think it should go one under deep rock galactic to be honest (laughs) with you here's why because deep rock galactic has a lot more content and gameplay replayability it has it has one fifth the content that no Midgard way! has. Dude, you're crazy. There is so, Deep Rock Galactic has like four modes. Find the egg. No, uh, they've I, they've I don't, I, they've added to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's all the different weapons. There's four classes. I mean, there's only four Yotnar. <laughs> there's eight. Paul. There's eight classes in Midgard. I was gonna say one above Deep Rock. That's that's oh. really funny that you say one below. I mean, I don't know, Paul. I don't think the longevity of Tribes of Midgard. Like, I think you're in that honeymoon phase right now. You know what I mean? And I think you're loving it. But I think if we come back a week later, you're going to be like, it was a lot of fun, but it got old pretty quick because the gameplay loop is exactly the same. Uh, Deep Rock, I have 15 hours. I've already passed that on Midgard, and I was so done with Deep Rock 15 hours in. And I'm still playing this game solo, even when I couldn't get you to join me. <laughs> I'm playing with my new friends on Discord. We're starting the super multiplayer podcast. Paul, you know I'll always these are love my Rocket people. League. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. That's fine. If you love it that much, I and I don't okay. like. I said I don't dislike this game. This is not a murder for me. It's like I don't dislike it at all. I just have a few issues with it, and I wish I liked it more. Yeah, I hear you. So this would put it at number 18. We would have it below the likes of Rainbow Six Siege, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and Resident Evil Village. We will have it above Deep Rock Galactic, Among Us, and No Man's Sky. So it's relatively high, you know, being number, number 18 out of 52. Not not bad, Norsefell. You did good. I, they did good, man. For a small developer, it's a it's a good game, man. I I there's times where I go to bed at night and I lay there, Paul, and I go, "What's wrong with me? Why don't I like <laughs> Tribes of Midgard more?" And that's like that's, me with Outer Wilds. I'm like, I well, love that's all the DNA of this game. Paul, that is inexcusable. <laughs> Outer Wilds is a masterpiece. I don't know. I'm hoping one day you'll you'll wake up and figure it out, but. Uh, maybe when that new you know. DLC comes out, I, I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all that we have here for this deep dive episode. We were really excited to have you guys with us. If you end up playing any tribes, let us know. Come join our Discord server. I need more friends who want to play more of Midgard. So use that link in the episode description. You can replace Josh in my tribe, and we can go fight the Jotnar together. 
And you can also come chat with other people who love the show. So come find us on Discord. You can find us on social media at Multiplayer Pod. And as always, we will have our next episode on Thursday where we cover This Week in Gaming. So I guess until then, Josh, you can keep playing Rocket League. I will be conquering more Jotnar in Midgard. I did forget my absolute favorite part of this game, Paul. When you're talking to the sorcerers that are in the uh-huh. game, the vendors, there are, there are vendors in this game that you find out in the wild, and you leave, they do this really cool, like, they go, and then it's just like this super <laughs> cool, like, I guess it's goodbye in Norse or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, there you go. So, All right. everybody. <laughs> Back at you. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys on Thursday. See everybody.